0: is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory.
1: G'day there, my name is Matt Brand. Welcome to the Country Hour, a special program today because we're broadcasting from the Territory Natural Resource Management Conference in Darwin. This event, for many years now, has been so successful at bringing in people from all over the Northern Territory who are directly involved in protecting and enhancing the Territory's natural environment, our landscapes, our rivers, our oceans. There's a few hundred people here at the Convention Centre passionate about natural resource management, and I really hope you can stick around to hear some of their stories about the amazing work that they're doing out on country. Before 1.30, you'll learn about the great work being done to remove ghost nets from waters around Groot Island. You'll meet a young, inspirational leader from the Crocodile Islands of the Northern Territory. What's been done to keep grass out of Arnhem Land? You'll learn about that. And plenty, plenty more. It's a really big show. It is a great conference. I hope you can stick around for the broadcast. First up, we're joined by Alistair Shields, who is the Chair of Territory NRM. Thanks so much for your time on the Country Hour, Alistair. And can you tell our audience, for those not familiar...
2: Territory NRM, what do you guys do? Thanks Matt, it's great to be on the show. Um, TNRM is a member-based organisation, we're a not-for-profit organisation, and we look for opportunities to work with community groups, landholders, ranger groups, and the community generally to get some good NRM outcomes in the the Northern Territory. And in 2022, what's been keeping you busy? Well, it's been a busy year. the last couple of years have been a little bit challenging in terms of being able to do field work and get out amongst the community because of COVID. Um, those restrictions, I guess, are sort of lifting, so we've been able to get out more and do a bit more of a catch-up with a lot of our field work. Um, and, of course, being able to have the conference this year when we had to cancel last year's because of COVID was a great thing for us. The This morning, so many... Different presentations up on stage. What are a few that that stood out for you, Alistair? Well, strangely enough, I never thought I'd come to a TNRM conference and see underpants depicted up on on the screen, and this year we did, and um, how underpants can be used as a way of testing soil health. I've actually got a pair of white underpants in my bag to take home, Get them in the dirt. I yep. will be. I'll be planning on World Soil Day on the 5th of uh, December and uh, monitoring the soil health of my uh, house block here in Darwin. <laughs> um, for me, I think the strong women on country
1: presentation, that really stood out. There was, uh, and for our radio audience, the stage is filled with female rangers from right across the Territory talking about the work they're doing, and we're going to actually meet one in a moment. That was that was really strong. Um How important is it to have a conference like this, do you think, Alistair?
2: I think it's really important um, for a a variety of reasons. It's an opportunity to come and hear about and celebrate some of the work that's been done. The awards tonight, I think, are a great recognition, not just for award winners, but for everyone that goes in it about some of the great stuff that happens here. I think we don't celebrate enough some of the great work that's Mm. done in the NRM space right across the Territory, and this is an opportunity to do it. On the topic of celebrating, I did overhear someone saying, where are the
1: politicians? Where are they? They should be here. Now, I think part of the answer is that Parliament is on at the moment, but have you been successful in, in getting
2: the ears and, and, and in a bit of dialogue with the Northern Territory politicians? We certainly invited quite a few politicians, um, both federal and um, local, to come along and be part of uh, the conference. Um, I think the problem is, as you've said, there's, there's Parliament sitting all over the place. So, mm. um, a lot of them expressed interest in what we do, but an inability to come along today. We'll continue to work with um, the kind of political members to see um, how we can tell them about some of the work that's been done and in, engage their interest in, in some of our future activities. Absolutely. In the Northern Territory right now, there's all kinds of plans for
1: agricultural development and we've seen a few draft water plans come out just in the last fortnight and it always creates a lot of discussion.
2: Where does Territory NRM fit in all of this and, and are you involved? We certainly are involved. We're not an advocacy group in a in the sort of strict sense of the word of going out publicly, drumming up interest in these particular issues. We are more, I guess, in the sort of quiet diplomacy side of things, I think. So we participate in a lot of discussion groups. Um, We're asked questions by government and other stakeholders often from time to time. And so we seek to influence the debate on these things in a quiet sort of way. Um, And I guess the other part that we do is, is the sort of actual physical work that we do with landowners and ranger groups and what have you. Um, the real work to make sure that NRM activities happen and to make sure that where there is development, it's done as sustainably as possible. In the farming community, I sense a
1: growing frustration in that whenever they're looking to do any development, be it big or small, it is now met with some fierce opposition. Have you got any thoughts on how ag development in the Northern Territory can
2: progress and, and bring everyone along? Look, I mean, I personally think that um, development of agriculture in the Territory is part of growing, growing the Territory and it's part of what we need to do to have a sustainable, ongoing economy here. I guess the question is, is about how you do it and, and, and I would... If, if somebody asked me about what the best way to go about trying to develop a bit of their land, I'd say put a lot of time and effort in the beginning up front to sort of identify some of the issues and work through them logically and carefully... Um, think about issues like soil erosion and some of the things we talked about today at the conference and how you might mitigate and manage them and have a good plan for it so that you know when you do go to get your relevant approvals and what have you you're as best placed as you can be to have informed people about what's happening and have responses to some of the questions that will arise well congratulations on this conference Alistair how many how many people are here Oh god, yeah, that's a good question. You've packed out the convention centre. We—it's we, it's a sellout. Yeah. Tonight's a sellout. Today's a sellout, and all the workshops are sellouts as well, which is fantastic, and I think a great um, recognition of how important the conference is. Yeah, and it's lunchtime, so I'll let you be. Thank you so much for your time on the Country mm-hmm.
1: Hour. Great, thanks, Matt. That is Alistair Shields, who is the chair of Territory Natural Resource Management, right across the territory. On the ABC, you are tuned into the Country Hour. It is twenty-three to one.
3: Yo, country, hello. My name is Otto Campion. Ulmania, they call me from Bushname. I'm a Arifia a swamp ranger. I'm working um, with many countrymen. And you're listening to The Country Hour.
1: If you're tuning in, this is The Country Hour, broadcasting from the Territory Natural Resource Management Conference, a conference that brings in rangers from all all over the Northern Territory. I'm here with Solidy, who is one of the Crocodile Island Rangers. Solidy, welcome to the Country Hour. Tell us about your part of the Territory and what you do.
4: Um, my part of the country is um, Arnhem Land which is far northeast um, Crocodile Islands and um, it is covered by um, Maringa country and that Maringa country is covered by five different clan groups and I've been a ranger for eight years now and I am very proud the way I am working. Been working for at least five years and um, Started um, building my skills and um, my coordinators and my manager helping me support to become a strong woman coordinator.
1: Tell me about some of the jobs that the ranger group has had to do this year in the Crocodile Islands.
4: Um, so early this year we were focusing on um, locating where the weeds are, um, what weeds we have and then ongoing where um, every month we um, check on the sites where we do the um, weed management. Um, we've been focusing on coastal surveillance after a big wet season, which is picking up rubbish along the beach for um, looking for um, marine rubbish. Um, we also been doing um, turtle research with the um, Ames. Which sounds fun. Which sounds fun. <laughs> and, um, yeah, um, been camping out at one of the... Um, the um, sanctuaries one of the um, turtle sanctuaries and bird sanctuaries that Yolong'o people has come together and we look after that country but we don't go there often for the last 2-3 years we couldn't get out there but now we've got a barge about 15 metres long and we transport um, our ATVs and other machines to the outer islands and we that's more um, helpful for our work
1: Right and so uh, you say a bird sanctuary, what are some of the Important, unique species out there that you're looking um, at.
4: We're looking at mainly um, shorebirds and which are um, like terns and seagulls that are based on that island. Um, we're trying to remove um, caltrop, which is a weed from different country, and it's just spreading across. And there's no places for birds to um, lay eggs and mm. um, you know make themselves as home. And um, yeah, so that's why we um, collect all the and hand-picked all the caltrops along the beach um, on this one um, special sacred um, sanctuary. Wow,
1: hand-picking out caltrop. That's yes. a big job.
4: I know, it is. Whoa. Yeah, is, uh, is, is, is that
1: <laughs> island free of feral cats? Yes, feral oh.
4: of free cats and Good. cane toads and buffaloes and pigs. And that island is located 20 kilometres off north from Millingimbi.
1: Now, Solidy your part of the Strong Women for Healthy Country group. Can you explain to our audience a bit about that group and what you so do? So the
4: Healthy Country forum has been held in, um, in 2019, That the first time I went to. And then the second time I went to was at Barnard Girl. And then, like, the reason why I wanted to join the Women Strong Group is because in my community, looking at myself as a strong young leader, um, I wanted to get involved with other women across Northern Territory and get um, communication and support from other women across Northern Territory.
1: Wow. And you all got together here at the Territory NRM conference. What was that like up on stage?
4: Uh, up on the stage, a little bit nervous, but <laughs> you know, proud to be up there as a strong woman. Um, participated in three of the um, Strong Women's Forum, um, and then I entered into become one of the steering committee member for the um, network forum.
1: Yeah, it's one of my favourite quotes of the day. I wrote it down. Strong women means healthy country. Yeah. Strong
4: women in healthy country.
1: Thank you so much for your time on the Country Hour today. All the best.
4: Thank you very much.
5: Last year, ABC Gives raised an amazing $1.5 million for Australians in need. This year, we're teaming up again with our charity partners to raise that amount and more to help people in your local community struggling to cope with rising living costs. There's big need out there, and Australians have big hearts and generous spirits. So join with us and help brighten your community. ABC Gives. Head to abc.net.au slash ntgives to donate today.
1: Across the territory on the ABC, you are tuned into the Country Hour. A reminder, if you need to duck down the paddock for whatever reason, you can always download the podcast and listen at a time that suits you. We are broadcasting today's program from the Territory Natural Resource Management Conference. And one of the big topics for Territory NRM has long been weed management. Unfortunately, there's plenty of weeds out there, but there's a lot of great work being done to stop certain weeds from spreading, from stopping them getting into the Northern Territory. I guess one weed that grabs a lot of headlines is that of gamba grass. And uh, we're joined now by Suzanne Casanova and James Pike from Territory NRM. Suzanne, you presented this morning, telling everyone about the work being done to stop gamba from spreading through West Arnhem and also Kakadu. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Thanks, Matt. Yes, yeah, so that, that's a project we've been running uh, for about the last four and a half years and the purpose of it is to reduce the threat of gamma grass into West Arnhem and Kakadu region and we're really quite focused on getting awareness around spread pathways and how to prevent spread and also how to remove stuff that is already there, the little bit that is already there.
1: You showed a map of Arnhem Land and and little spots on the map where Gamber has been found. How far east? What's the most furthest and most remote location that springs to mind that Gamber's popped up? I think it might
0: actually be barge landings all the way over onto that east side. So the points of entry and the pathways of entry are, can be from the sea. Yes. Any equipment, any vehicles, anything arriving by barge, as well as coming off vehicles which have come through roads and long tracks and into the bush that way.
1: Wow. I th- I think I heard today that it's it's been found on Groot. Does that sound right? Yes. Yeah. Also,
0: Tewes. So so anywhere that people go into the landscape, there actually is a, a fairly high chance that a gamba grass seed has got there at some point. We're just trying to get them all before they turn into big seeding plants and into big seeding patches. Yes. So get them early, get the rangers able to identify, get them deliberately looking to detect, which means in your work program going, right, I need to go and find these places which are highest risk and check them.
1: What's that been like for you, working with the ranger group, these ranger groups that are here today, out on country, trying to find gamba and get rid of it?
0: There's a lot of moving parts, Matt. (laughs) Uh, We've had quite a few seasons now with quite good access, which has been really handy. But the the key thing for these groups is to try and get their gamma grass detected before plants set seed. And seeding is quite consistent from year to year, and it tends to come in towards the end of May. So we're really hoping that those rangers are able to get out and about on country and getting across creek crossings and being able to get to all those places that need checking before plant seed. But if we have a, a wet that goes really late, there's such a narrow window of being able to get places before things make seed, and that's hard.
1: Do you feel like you're having a win in Arnhem Land?
0: I think we've, had, we've managed to get a really good network of groups working on it, which means that things have a much lower chance of going undetected. So that's critical. Yep. Everybody's really onto the detection stuff, but we still can't do that much to change the seasons. So you've got to be on it every year, you know, reminding people and, and trying to get where you can get to, when you can get to, to go and check and remove stuff and treat stuff.
1: I, uh, I loved one of your lines today, Suzanne. I, I wrote it down. Hang a minute. I wrote it down. Uh, you talked about the person who knows the most may not speak up until they're out in the bush, out on country. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, well, well, it's a true thing, and I, I think that we have to be really mindful. You can hold as many meetings as you like. Um with your with stakeholders your your key players indigenous mob whoever might be the land manager but once you get them out there they'll show you all sorts of different things and tell you all sorts of things that are really important to them that they might not have been triggered to say that while you're back in the office but also they can show you the context and it's really hard for some people to talk about things until they can show you the context
1: yep and so where to from now you've been doing this for four or five years what happens next
0: Well, we've got our project concluding after probably one more gamba treatment season, so that'll get us through to the end of June. And I think that there will be federal funding that's going towards gamba management with a view to protecting threatened species and making landscapes more resilient to be able to hold threatened species within them without gamba being a threat. So I suspect we'll be doing similar but maybe a broader region not quite so focused just on Kakadu and West Arnhem because there is plenty more of the eradication zone in the western top end and going further south, you know, Timber Creek and Mataranka direction and so on. And yeah. the islands as well, Tiwi, Groot, you know, those are really important places to keep Gambra out of.
1: And is the focus just always on Gambra or, you know, are other weeds getting a look at
0: yeah, that's a good question. So it does feel that there's a lot of attention on gamma grass at the moment. It is one of the easier weeds to detect and to eradicate. It's got a short seed bank. We also do a lot of work with groups around mimosa management, and that's an entirely different story. You know, you're up to 20 years of seed bank sometimes. So True. it's a really long-term thing and quite hard to eradicate, whereas eradication for gamba is something you can get groups focused on and you can achieve.
1: Okay, Good to see you. Well done this morning up there on the stage and appreciate your time on the Country Hour. If I can get you to pass on the mic to James Pike, who, am I right here, James? You are the new the new General of the Gambar Army. Is that true?
6: Yes, for the time being. So just stepping into those boots. Wow. So the Gambar Army, under your leadership, how's it all going? Uh, yeah. So kicking off well. Um, had a bit of early rain this year, so out and yeah absolutely getting amongst it nice and quickly still a lot of work to be done but yeah trying to get into those spots that we know are going to get washed out of and make sure we get a good first treatment in.
1: Is it easy to explain a few of the areas that you are targeting?
6: Um, Yeah so the Gamba Army is an NTG initiative Um, so a lot of the work that we're trying to do is to complement the other land management Uh, land managers, sorry, up here. So we're doing a lot of work alongside NT Parks in various areas. Litchfield's a big one for the bill. Um, And I guess part of the beauty of the Gamber Army is anyone doing land management in the territory on that sort of scale, it's a lot of country to cover for the guys and the resources they've got. So we sort of help identify where those gaps are and make sure that we've got the people on ground to go and fill those gaps and it's not getting missed.
1: Are you sneaking into Litchfield National Park much? We hear a lot about the gamber in there.
6: Yeah, so uh, we haven't got dates booked in yet, but been talking pretty closely to the rangers out there. So we're going to be doing follow-up work on ground for a lot of their big aerial spraying programs this year. And again, just to make sure that there's, there's people on ground getting that really important follow-up work done.
1: And have you got enough
6: herbicide? It's not cheap. <laughs> it's giant. not cheap at all, which is um, yeah a, a big issue that we're hearing from everyone. I'm sure a lot yeah, of your listeners. It'd be chewing are that. into the budget. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's um, yeah you know a big problem for a lot of people that are doing this. Well, have been doing this sort of work for a few years. That price is going up, so you really want to get a good effort in and make sure that you're uh, getting on top of it. And those inputs that you've got to continuously put in are decreasing. Just quickly on a whole different topic, let's not talk about
1: weeds and introduced species, let's talk about native plants. The NC Native Eco Fair and
6: Plant Sale is on this Sunday. Tell yep, us a bit about so that. Bit of a big day we've got coming up at Fred's Pass, um, so if always bringing it back to weeds. We do have a bit going on there, so we've got... Uh, <laughs> A couple of guys from the Weeds Branch, NT Herbarium. Uh, I'll be out there as well helping sort of pinpoint where some gambler issues are around the uh, greater Darwin area. Yeah. Um, the guys from Weeds Branch and the Herbarium are doing plan IDs for people. So if people have some strange stuff coming up on their block and they're not sure what it is, grab a sample, grab some pics, bring it in. And we've got the best brains Ooh, in that's the territory good. to figure out what's going on. Uh, Likewise, if you've got some natives coming up you're not sure what they are, we can put a pin on that for you. We've got a bunch of specialists up here. So we've got Barry Cond um, giving a lot of information on native bees and what to plant, how to provide habitat for them. Cool. Um, Probably another big one, getting the pollinators in there for some of your listeners. So, yeah, there's a bit of everything, just promoting uh, all our land care groups up here, Uh, horticultural advice for if people do want to come and... Uh, create some native habitat on their bush blocks. We've got all the people in the right space to give you all that advice as well as have a massive range of native plants available So for this people. is
1: this Sunday. Kicks off at 8.30 at the Fred's Pass, the big shed out there. You'll be able to see it from a mile away. It'll be a big That's Sunday it. morning. Food, music, native plants. What more do you want, mate? General, great to see you. Thanks so much for your time on <laughs> the Country Hour. Thanks very much for having me. That is James Pike from Territory Natural Resource Management. It is 8 to 1.
3: Yo, good afternoon. My name is Patrick White. My name is Granville Pill. I'm born and raised in Nolenboa. I work as a head ranger for Sea Country program. And you're listening to Country Hour. Yo, tapir. (laughs) I hope you're
1: enjoying today's
3: broadcast.
1: We're going to leave the Convention Centre for a moment to talk about some big rain and some big flooding that's been happening out in the vrd late yesterday a minor flood warning was issued for the upper victoria river at calcarinji the river rose really quickly out there it peaked at 9.7 meters just covering the bridge on the outskirts of town the river level at calcarinji is now going down and is expected to remain below the minor flood level for the rest of today. Rob Roy, he lives in Kalkaringi and had a chat to Dan Fitzgerald about how things were looking around town.
7: The place is looking green enough. At a few rain um, up, up near the catchment area, River and Station is probably where the catchment area is. So it's like south west from Kalkaringi. They must have had a few mills there, uh, more than more than fifty mills, I think, I believe. And just up from Kalkaringi they had about another you know, 40, 50 minutes there the other day. That's why the water, water water level rose up pretty quickly uh, within, within the hour um, yesterday, which actually brought the highway to closure. Uh, the police had to close it up because um, water went over, over the bridge. Yeah, so, and that bridge is yeah. pretty
8: high. Paint us a bit of a picture of what that looked like when all that water came through and then um, uh, went up over the bridge. What did that look like? It's just too much water.
7: Like a hell of a lot of water around. It lightened up the place for sure. <laughs> um, you know, after it was a, it was a well and truly um, a good place because we were, we were well overdue for a good bit of good bit of rain for that amount of water to come through. You know, and um, yeah, now everybody, everybody was out was in the bat and driving and, uh, around taking pictures and whatnot because yeah, just uh, just a lot of water. Um, but don't don't forget you've got you've got um low lying, smaller community from Kalkaringy downstream. Um that's uh, sorta of located or situated right next to the Vic River there. So if it comes up pretty high there, it will it, probably go up near their houses. Um that's a little little community called Pigeon Hole.
8: Yeah. Have you been um, in touch with anyone well, at Pigeon Hole? How to see how they're faring? Nah,
7: nothing because um I don't know. What, I don't think they've got a mobile cover, uh, coverage. Um, I know they've got internet and whatnot, but yeah, nah, I haven't spoken to anyone there. Normally they'd be ringing us, um, asking how much water levels up near the bridge, and when we tell them it's going to go over, then they sort of prepare for the worst sort of thing, because it's, it's a low lying community there at Bridge
8: um, Just down the road from Calcarinji, Dagaragu is um, fairly low lying as well. How is that faring?
7: Yeah, no, nah, there are well they they the, the only got a causeway there, so the water goes over the causeway about two metres above. Um, so pretty high. It's uh, Im, Im, impossible to drive across or walk across. Um, there were attempts for people swimming across, but we try and tell them not to. But, yeah, now, once the river goes up, it's only 8 k's between Kelkaringi and Teguru. That's north of Kalgoorlie, And um, yeah, the causeway goes under every year. Um, and when that happens, it's it's just impossible to come into town and, you know, we've, we've, everything's pretty much in Kalkaringi. We've got the schools, the clinics, the shops and whatnot. So if there's stuff on the other side, it's it's really hard for them to come across to do grocery shoppings and, and stuff like that from there. So um, the best thing to do is hope for the water level to drop down, uh, you know, within a couple of days and not weeks sort of thing.
1: That is Rob Roy from Kaukarinji. The Weather Bureau says renewed rises of the upper Victoria River are likely with further rainfall over the next few days forecast and that the situation will continue to be monitored. There's been some decent rain in the VRD. Earlier this week, Mount Sanford Cattle Station recorded 115 millimetres in a 24-hour period. There was 59 at Pigeonhole. Victoria River Down Station got 33 millimetres. The assistant manager at that cattle station, Joe Spur, says it is looking wet.
9: Oh, yeah, I went for a fly uh, yesterday before uh, we had the 33 mil. And, um, yeah, the wickum was uh, flowing. And, yeah, there was certainly puddles about and um, pretty much wet all over. But, yeah, the the ground soaked it up pretty quick. Um, But where there was scattered storms beforehand in October... There's a bit of green pick coming through in some places, so it's been good, and um, yeah, the, the cattle really enjoy it. So yeah, we we just finished um, our cattle work in uh, last Wednesday, so yeah, it was good to have all that done, and then it started raining, so it was yeah, perfect timing.
10: How were all the cattle looking, and how was the country um, looking before this rain came along?
9: Um, yeah, we were due. We were due for some rain. Um, The cattle, they're in pretty good condition for the season we've had, Um, so yeah, this rain will kick them along nicely and um, yeah, hopefully it's all up from here.
10: And you rely on a fair bit of surface water there, right? How how is that looking around the property at the moment with this rainfall?
9: Yeah, not too bad. A couple of water holes um, and Billabongs have um, started filling up after this rain, which is good. Uh, We dug out one dam. So that's got a bit of water in it, so yeah, it'll be good to see them fill back up over the wet, hopefully, and um, make them, hopefully they'll hold a bit more water this time for a bit longer.
10: And it must be a nice mood around the station, I'd assume, today then, with with the rain as well.
9: Uh, yeah, there is, yeah. Yep, everyone's happy and um, yeah, everyone sort of sleeps a bit easier. It's um, cooled down a touch, but yeah, it's still pretty humid, so everyone's... Pretty, pretty keen to get away on holidays and um, the rain's just relieve the pressure so we don't have to have all hands on deck at the moment.
1: That is Joe Spur from Victoria River Down Station speaking to Max Rowley. It is wet out in the VRD and there's more rain to come. We'll be speaking to the Weather Bureau at five past one to get the very latest. Just quickly, we've received a statement from the Central Land Council. It says members and staff of the CLC are in shock after Chairman Kuman Jai passed away unexpectedly in Darwin overnight. CLC's Chief Executive Les Turner says he was deeply saddened by the news and that we offer heartfelt condolences to his family, community and colleagues. He was a well-loved and highly respected man who has made an enormous contribution with his strength of character, wisdom and leadership. His compassion extended to all he worked with by their members and staff And he advocated strongly for the raising of the age of criminal responsibility and against violence against women. Now, that's news out from the Central Land Council just now, and uh, awful news this lunchtime. Uh, We're going to go to the newsroom. I'll see you back here in
7: five. Hello, my name is Tara Guyamala. I'm from Manway. I'm a senior ranger of Watergate Land Management. My favorite job is taking our kids out on country and teaching them showing them rock art and passing their knowledge. And you're listening to the Country Hour. Matt Brand
1: with you this afternoon, broadcasting from the Territory Natural Resource Management Conference, which has been held in Darwin, an event that brings in people from all over the Northern Territory who have a passion for protecting and enhancing the Northern Territory's environment, our landscapes, our rivers, our oceans. And in the second half of the program, you'll get to meet some of the young gun rangers from the Endeavour Sea Ranges out there on Groot Island. And we'll also be catching up with Centralian cattle producer Sarah Cook, who was one of the presenters here this morning. Before all of that, let's head to the Weather Bureau. Sally Cutter is there this afternoon. And Sally, we, just before the one o'clock news, heard about some of the big rain out in the VRD and the minor flood warning that was in place yesterday for the upper Victoria River. What is the latest news out there?
5: Well, we've actually seen the the river drop down. Apparently it it does, it's one of these rivers that goes up quite quickly and falls quite quickly as well. So it's now down below the bridge and that warning's been finalised. But we are seeing a little bit of rain down in the southern parts of the, the Gregory at the moment, so already starting to fire up. The, so there's going to be some more showers and storms. So overnight, there wasn't So there's 49 mills at West Baines River. The Walker Creek, which is in the finish, which be further north, 43. Keep River had 41 millimetres. So there was still a little bit of rain around the area, and Timber Creek had 37 millimetres. But we should see that easing off over the next couple of days. We could see it re, sort of redeveloping maybe that 15 to 25 millimetre mark on Saturday. And then as the trough comes further north, so you're going to get more widespread, so 20 to 30 millimetre falls in the north. But the, we've also got a little bit of rain down around the southern parts of the Tanami, northern Laster at the moment and extending across to Alice springs woolungaroos had 7.4 millimeters since nine o'clock and they they had six seven millimeters to nine o'clock so there's there's a bit of rain down there as well that will ease off tomorrow and we get as we get the next trough coming across and then as that moves north through the the territory sunday starting to pick up as said across the north monday through the barclay particularly the northern barclay we could see that 30 to 45 millimeters rain up there and then it will continue to contract north for Tuesday Wednesday. The long term is a little bit, to, there's a bit of uncertainty as to exactly to where, the, how far north it will clear and particularly yeah, right. through the, the west and parts.
1: 30 to 45 millimetres for the Barkley. Wow. <laughs> what about the southern part of the Barclay? How much could they get?
5: Uh, they're probably more, they're, it's, it's going to be pretty much all the Barkley but they, the southern parts are probably going to be more down the 30 millimetre end than the Forty-five. The the northern half is probably the most likely place to get those heavier force and we could even see some force a little bit heavier than that's forty-five millimetres.
1: Okay. And here at the Territory NRM conference, the Tiwi Rangers were meant to present earlier this morning, but they were delayed. And I'm just looking at the radar, Sally Cutter. The entire Tiwi Islands look like it's swamped in in rain and storms this afternoon. I'm I'm worried they might have got bogged.
5: Yeah, there's certainly, it's not just your one single storm, it's the, the atmosphere is just quite unstable. We're seeing, sort of the, it's starting to bubble. It's a little bit quieter in the Daly District, it's taking a little bit longer to get going but we had some good storms over the western top end yesterday afternoon. But it's too there's just enough sort of that forcing to get those storms going that the fact that they had something yesterday doesn't matter. But yeah, there are certainly some really good storms up there and they're just getting wider and wider to the area that the echoes on the radar. So yeah, that it, it might be it might be a little bit wet over that way.
1: Anything else we need to be aware of before I let you go, Sally?
5: No, just the fact that we, that we do have that bit of a trough coming up. So we to the top end will get wetter next week, and particularly the Barclay on the way through. And also there's that rain down through Central Australia at the moment.
1: Okay, thank you very much for your time, Sally. Have a good afternoon. We do thanks. It is ten past one here on the country hour.
2: Half a step forward, put to the pitch. Yeah, yeah. ABC Sports
5: Summer of Cricket. This party time on the ABC Listen app. Every ball punching this through the offside. Every catch. It is an extraordinary catch. Every wicket. Ball in! Wickets tumbling. Live. And ad-free. Oh, wow. ABC Sports, Summer of Cricket. Live on the ABC Listen app.
1: Matt Brown with you this afternoon. We're broadcasting from the Territory Natural Resource Management Conference being held in Darwin. And I'm joined this afternoon by Sarah Cook, who's a cattle producer in Central Australia. Lovely to have you on the program. You actually presented this morning. Tell us, what motivated you to come to a conference like this one and also present
11: oh Matt it's great thanks for having me on um, to talk to your listeners Honestly, the pastoral industry represents so much of the territory and um, we do a great job at managing our range rangelands and making sure we 've got sustainable cattle businesses and um, in that there 's a lot of considerations around rangeland management and I just don 't think we, we receive enough appreciation from the broader community, particularly not um, the rangeland management side of things so I wanted to share a good story we were um, Craig and I participated in a SIBO Labs trial at the same time as we were running a CERIS tag trial and we found some really interesting um, discoveries about animal behaviour and also um, how animals behaved in conjunction with the food on offer in the rangelands. We really wanted to work on our um, sustainable stocking rates and I I just think we learn a lot from it.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, this is essentially you using technology to improve land management and, and sustainable grazing. Can you share with us that experience and, and what you've been getting out of it?
11: Yeah, so um, traditionally we would do um, budgeting around our feed. Um, so we'd looked at drones as an option rather than going out with a quadrant and cutting and weighing, etc. cetera. Um, when the opportunity came up to use CBO Labs, um, we grabbed it with both hands, um, but we'd already got the Ceres tag trials underway by then. And we were able to um, to receive cues from animal behaviour, the cattle, um, before we were actually seeing it come through in the imagery. Now, that's not to say that the imagery wasn't um, SMICO. It was excellent, and we um, honestly, we can't speak highly enough of the SIBO Labs product, but the animals were giving us indication of their behaviour before we saw it come through in our numbers, yeah.
1: And for our audience, correct me if I'm wrong here, Sarah, so just trying to quickly explain these terms you're using, yep. like Sarah's tags and SIBO Labs, yep. right? So SIBO Labs is essentially giving you satellite technology showing how your pasture's going. Correct, yep. And the Sarah's tags are an ear tag on a cow yep. that gives you real-time data on where they're going and correct. what they're doing.
11: yep, correct. And yep. you've
1: put them together.
11: Yep. And so uh, we had some um, uh, feed budgeting done around the SIBO Labs um, product. um, And we made some, from from that information, we made some assumptions about when we should move the the cattle. But actually what we found were the cattle were giving us those indications um, before we expected to come through. Now, I wouldn't trust... Um, the cattle behaviour, if I didn't have the SEVO Labs imagery to mm. back it up, they worked well together. I'm not suggesting that they should use them separately. I'm just saying that together, the sophisticated story around um, grazing was, was really taught us.
1: Worth doing? Because it's not cheap, worth doing?
11: Uh, honestly, it's affordable. Um, it's just a different way of looking at things and it's uh, it's a fairly straightforward process. Um, Dione Walsh Rangelands IQ has got some great um, products like, and um, that go with the SEVO Labs um, you know, both of the um, uh, developers of Sebo Labs and the developers of Serestag worked with us and we got a lot out of it.
1: And so, never again in your life <laughs> are you telling me that you'll never have to go out with the old one by one metre quadrant and throw it around and,
11: <laughs> well, and get was... your hand
1: in the spin effects and all that sort of stuff?
11: <laughs> Technically, well. Theoretically. Um, but uh, that was part of a trial, right? So yep. um, we've since um, moved. We're not working at Aileron Station anymore. Um, then that sort of wound up at about the same time as, as we moved. Um, but I guess I was just here today to tell the story of that experience mm. and, and to talk about how much we um, appreciated being part of it, appreciating TNRM investing in, in those trials, and also um, that we discovered a lot about our operation, um, evidence-based discoveries around the operation and you know too often I think we go by what we can visually see or what we, uh, what we think over experience and uh, I think it's great to have um, evidence based tools to test that because it only takes an incremental change to change the, the um, aspects of your business that may, may need to be tweaked and it, and it really worked for us.
1: Away from your presentation and telling that story, what else have you got out of a forum like this one?
11: Well um, Matt, I I can't tell you how well-received, and I'm no expert in presenting, but um, my presentation was well-received because um, uh, during the break, people came up to me and said, wow, I didn't realise that Graziers cared so much about their country. And actually, we do. All of us care about our country. We are in the business of making money, but if we do not have grass, we cannot run a sustainable or a profitable business. And um, understanding how that grass plays with your um, beef cattle operation, I just think we've got a lot of work to do in that space, yeah. but I love the res- how, how well it was received.
1: Yeah, but how does that make you feel if the comment is, I didn't realise cattle producers cared about country? How does that make you feel? Yeah,
11: it makes me sad, mate, Mm. because we all all care, right? Um, So I would like to see more producers rock up at these events. I'd like to see more industry representation at these events, and I'd like to keep talking about the good stuff that we do so that people grow to understand that we're actually a real player, a serious player, and a legitimate player um, in the NRM space.
1: Great to see you. Have you got lots of lovely green grass in your part of the Territory at the moment?
11: We do, Good. yeah, and it's raining today.
1: <laughs> lovely to see you. Thanks for your time on the Country Hour. Thanks,
11: Matt. Keep it rural.
1: <laughs> we, 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 we will. Uh, that is Sarah Cook, who's a cattle producer in Central Australia and one of the presenters here at the Territory NRM Conference. Up next, stick around, because we're going to meet some of the young guns of the Andiliakwa Sea Rangers.
0: Hello, um, my name's Josephine Grant. I'm with the Tea Tree Rangers, and we're doing soil erosion at Andulia Station. And you're listening to Country Hour.
1: If you're tuning in, this is the Country Hour, and we're broadcasting from the Territory Natural Resource Management Conference. I'm catching up now with Tom and Kaelin, who are from the Andeliakwa Sea Rangers out there on Groot Island. Tom, tell us your story. How did you get involved in the job of being a sea ranger? Uh,
12: So basically, I moved over to Groot about a year, a year and like three months ago, and I looked at the rangers and uh, my cousin, he um, asked me to join them, but I sat at home for about two months, contemplating whether I should join or not, and then... Yeah, one day I just woke up and then walked into the office to ask for a job and then the boss gave me a job straight away. How good. So you're not originally from Groot? No, I'm originally from Groot, yeah, but I grew up mostly in Darwin all my life, so yeah, but recently moved over last year.
1: So you've been a ranger now for about a year. Uh, Tell us about year one. What's it been like?
12: Oh, it's been full on, actually, yeah, just... Uh, a lot of marine debris, cleaning up like beaches and that. Yeah, it's just been full on. Plus, we do uh, other works like weed spraying and that, which is takes up a lot of our time, but we get, it's good to get the job done. Yeah. What
1: are the big weeds of significance on Groot Island that you need to tackle?
12: Oh, It's mostly um, mission grass. That's the main one. Uh, we had a um, few occurrences of Gamba, but that uh, we got rid of that, which is well, we got uh, took control of it, which is good. Good work. And um, there's a lot of um, other weeds as well, such as hiptus, snake weed, and um That we're trying to get like try, trying to control, but yeah, it's been pretty hard though. But getting the job done. <laughs> and uh, Kaylin, tell us your story.
1: How did you get into the job of being a sea ranger?
3: I started when I was 14 years old, in year nine. Every holidays, when I came back from boarding school, I, I don't know, just sort of like Tom, woke up and asked if I can come and do work experience with them at 14 years old. And they, they took me out. And I did that for one holiday and then I st- I enjoyed it, so I kept coming back. It's probably four years uh, at the start of next year, but I'm um, just still part-time at the moment, but yeah, been there for a bit. A lot of ghost net collecting over the years and marine debris and oyster collecting for oyster farm that... Yeah that's really exciting yeah.
1: isn't it for Groot the uh, the opportunity to maybe farm oysters so you get to be involved in that a bit hey?
3: Yeah I was with the group that collected the oysters, fisheries, anti-fisheries they come over and asked us to collect 50 and we had to go out and collect them off the rocks and send them off to Darwin and they sent them down south and then now they're Did you get to try one yourself, Kaelin? Are they delicious? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Probably best in the Northern Territory, I reckon.
1: That's the go, that's the go. Now, tell us a bit about Ghost Nets, and that's part of your presentation today here at the conference.
3: How big a problem is it for the marine life around Groot Island, Kaelin? It's a pretty big problem because it's getting stuck on the reef. It's not only affecting, like, the environment, but if it's a low tide and you're driving through the area possibly get stuck or even turtles find a lot of turtles and sharks in there. Tom
1: tell me a story about the biggest ghost net that you've had to deal with this year in terms of you know how big it was and and what the job required.
12: Uh, So about four months ago or so five months ago we retrieved a ghost net that was around five tons and um, we found a lot of uh Marine animals in are like uh, marine animals such as like oysters, like, small fishes, like turtles as well. We had to get a barge out there to um retrieve the net, and we used the crane from the barge to pull the net out of the water and uh
1: and then what do you do with it?
12: um We collect it um, every net we collect, we get money for it as well, yeah, so we use that reimbursement to like buy new toys for us to, to make our job easier as well.
1: So you two fellas working for the aqua Sea Rangers
3: what do you love about it the most? Caleb? Um I'd say just looking after the land and um just being out on country it's a really good feeling um you can't really do that in any other jobs um this is really good knowing that we're out there just sort of protecting our own land and for you, Tom,
12: uh, probably getting out on country is probably the best thing and um, just taking care of the country and um, during our free, oh, when we do get free time, we love going out fishing. <laughs> yeah. I've always heard the fishing's good at Groot. Fishing is good, yeah. The biodiversity there's, yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, I've never seen anywhere else like it in the world. So, and that's why it's so
1: important to protect it. What the work that you guys do is so important. So, thank you so much, and thanks for sharing time on the Country Hour program. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. There you go, Kalen and Tom from the Endeavour Sea Rangers. Now, Sam Laidlaw is also here from the Andiliakwa Sea Rangers, And Sam, I want to ask you a question. It's a question that I think the Country Hour gets a text message about on a weekly basis now. The audience, desperate, hungry to know more about the mysterious steel box that was found floating in waters around Groot Island. Initially found by the commercial fishing crew, the Wildcard, yes. and the Davy family. What update can you provide us? Give us something, Sam.
10: It's still out there. It's a mystery still. <laughs> uh, the last sighting was the 21st of September, and that was in the uh, Warwick Shipping Channel, just uh, west of uh, Connection Island, about a nautical mile out off the west side of Connection Island, and. Um, it was heading in a north direction. We actually got a call in. We were on the water at the time, the rangers, um, doing a patrol and uh, got a wreck p- fisherman call in the, um, that they were sitting beside the container and trying to fish off it, didn't successfully catch any fish off it, and we were more worried about trying to bring the, uh, the container back to shore if, if we could possibly do that um, with the help of... Uh, south 32 with their tug but the conditions uh declined got really rough and it became a little bit unsafe for us so the shipping container yes actually left went north without us being able to uh get hold of it basically and um yeah so we've we've had uh a bill fishing comp last weekend and and this weekend and there's been a notice out to all fishermen wreck fish shows ever since that time to keep an eye out for it but uh yeah haven't successfully come across it since so.
1: right the mysterious box is now missing yes be, correct is it on everyone's mind who boats at night time i mean
10: yeah look it is a lot of guys don't boat at night as, as much but like more so say four in the morning for early fishing trips you have to be very vigilant and you know like it's, it's a danger like you don't know it could be anywhere so yeah that's basically what we're at with that at the okay. moment unfortunately so it hasn't but, yeah. been seen since September September 21 was the oh last dear. time we saw it yeah, alright
1: so. and just finally Sam uh, Aqua Sea Rangers has such a strong presence at this conference I saw a I saw the group getting a bit of a group photo earlier yep, yep. on and such lovely representation. Uh, what, what does it mean for the team to, to make the trip into Darwin and, and, and talk oh, look, about their work?
10: It's huge for us since I've been there in the last year and a half. there's you know It's, it's good to get everyone together and come and, and show up at an event like this. You know, It means a lot to us and to be present here with so many different ranger groups and yeah, network with everyone to try and, and look to a you know a solid future in ranger ranger work and in natural resource management. Um, yeah, so it's just really good. Positive. Thank,
1: thanks for your time this afternoon. No worries. Thank you.
5: Hello, my name is Beatrice, and I'm from Wadiya. Hello, my name is Stephanie Beretta, and I'm from Wadiya. Hello, my name is
4: Eugenie Gilbert. I'm from Wadiya.
5: And you're
1: listening to Planetary Hour. Broadcasting from the Territory NRM conference this afternoon. I trust you've been enjoying the broadcast. We've heard from all sorts of people from right around the Northern Territory got a text here from alan who says matt i agree with your guest that the general public doesn't recognize the great work that pastoralists do for the northern territory they're the backbone and do a terrific role for all of us as do farmers of all types across the country says alan Uh, look at the time we've almost run out of it for today's country hour let's get a bit of quick rural news care of producer dan fitzgerald dan twiggy forest showing more interest an Australian
8: agricultural company. What's the story? Yeah, that's right, Matt. Uh, The mining magnate, Andrew Forrest, he's uh, bought some more shares in AACO, around 6.4 million of them. That equates to a value of around $11.5 million, and he's done this through his investment group, Tatarang. Now, that brings uh, Tatarang's stake in AACO to 18.4%. So, um, yeah, Andrew Forrest, he's been buying into AACo uh, a bit this year. This is the third market update detailing his uh, investment in the company. Um, AACo, of course, is majority owned by the British billionaire Joe Lewis. He tipped over the 50% threshold of ownership in that company uh, in September.
1: And just in some other news on the ASX, the company that's in charge of cleaning up the Ranger uranium mine, it's got a new director, Dan.
8: Yeah, so Matt, the background to this is uh, a bit of an ongoing stoush between Energy Resources Australia um, and its majority owner Rio Tinto. Um, ERA has been trying to fund the huge cost of rehabilitating the ranger uranium mine near Jabiru, um, and in the process of that, Uh, Well, there's uh, been a lot of dispute between Rio Tinto and the Mira traditional owners, and that's all led to ERA's chairman and two directors resigning back in October following pressure from Rio Tinto. Um, So ERA has now appointed Rick Dennis as an independent non-executive director um, to fill the space in there. Um, He's worked for professional services firm Ernst & Young for the last 35 years or so, where he's held some executive and board roles.
1: Okay, thanks for keeping us up to date, Dan. And that concludes our broadcast from the Territory NRM conference this afternoon. I hope you've enjoyed the broadcast. If you missed any of it, you'll be able to catch it on our podcast later on this afternoon. The conference, of course, continues here at the Convention Centre this afternoon. There's some interesting presentations being made by various indigenous ranger groups and also inpex and of course the awards tonight one of the best shindigs you'll ever go to in the northern territory the territory nrm awards night Um, it's always good fun and they're expecting a sellout crowd here this evening Uh, i'm sure we'll be catching up with some of the winners over the next few days here on the country hour enjoy the rest of your afternoon and keep it rural